Hey, travel bosses. This week's sponsor is TripStreak. The next time you need to book a flight and you want to be able to search by preferences like lay down seats or red eye flights or not, check out tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss. That's tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss. Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 171 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. This is going to be a new series called Travel Tips as part of the solo podcast episodes. So the reason why I'm doing this is because there are so many tips in my mind that I want to just put down on paper and share with everyone because I've now been traveling for 10 years. It's been a pretty insane journey if you think about it. I keep saying I started in 2008, but I think it was actually the end of 2007 when I really think back. And I've learned so many lessons since then. I've, I've literally been through five different pieces of luggage that all have their pros and cons. I've traveled for extended periods of time where I'd be living somewhere for a year. I've also backpacked kind of quickly through different countries. And throughout the time, I've, I've learned so much and I've been wanting to write a blog post about it. But it's just it's such a massive endeavor that it's never actually got around to it. So I figured, why not record it in a podcast, share these tips, and be able to, you know, kind of quickly and easily put down my ideas. So this is going to be travel minimalism, and let's see how far we can we can get in today's episode. But first off, I think the biggest travel mistakes that I make when it comes to stuff, carrying things, is... I always 100% bring too many things that I don't need. And I think this is something that everybody does. Everybody I come across, they always regret bringing too many things. So here's going to be going to be the easiest number one tip is don't bring your favorite things while traveling. And I know this sounds counterintuitive because you always want to bring your favorite jacket or your favorite pair of shoes, your favorite whatever it is, because you're going to be, you know, using it for the next month, three months, six months, whatever it is. But here's the problem is if you don't need it or you don't end up wanting or or liking it, you can't give it away. You can't throw it away because it either has sentimental value to you. It's very expensive or otherwise it's not disposable. So imagine how amazing your life would be if everything you brought was things that you didn't mind leaving behind, giving away, or just even throwing away in a pinch. So imagine if your luggage itself, you decide, hey, I want to change my luggage. I want to downgrade. I want to downsize. You know what? I don't really care about this piece of luggage anyways, or it wasn't very expensive anyways. Let me just swap it out. Same thing with your jacket. Same thing with your shoes. Same thing with your clothes. So my number one advice is only pack things that you don't mind getting rid of or will cost you less than X amount of dollars to replace, and it's not a big deal. So for me, that number figure is usually about $100, where I figure if something's going to cost me less than $100 to replace, instead of me carrying it around for the next two or three months, I'd rather just sell it, give it away, or whatever it is. And actually, that $100 figure is a little bit high, because to be honest, there's been occasions where I've had jackets or shoes around that price that you know I, I didn't feel like getting rid of. So maybe my price is probably closer to $50, where... 
if it's going to cost me less than that to replace, I don't really think twice. I just, I give it away versus hanging on to it. So you might be wondering, why would you ever feel like giving away or, you know, getting rid of something? Why not, you know, you must pack it for a reason. And here's the thing is we always over expect what we actually need. So we, we think we're going to need formal clothes, for example. We're like, okay, well, we need to have one nice pair of shoes or a nice suit just in case we go to, you know, an event where we need it or we have a wedding planned that we're going to during the three or six months travel. So I need to carry a pair of dress shoes and a, and a suit with me and a, you know, throughout this entire time. But in reality is that's one day in the six months that you have to carry around that item. I'd much, much, much rather now just get rid of it as soon as I don't need it anymore. If I don't need, if I'm not going to use something in the next three months, I will definitely get rid of it. And it's not always easy to ship it back. I think if you are European and you happen to be in the EU, it's not that expensive to ship it back. But if you're shipping back something from Thailand to the US or something, it's usually not worth it. It's usually cheaper just to get rid of it. So my rule now is if I'm not going to use something in the next two or three months, I'll get rid of it just straight away. It's not even, not even a question, especially if it's something that costs less than $50 to replace. And what are some of the things that I've gotten rid of? My suit, for example, just because I realized, hey, that one wedding I'm going to go to X amount of months from now, I'd rather just be a little bit underdressed for this wedding. I normally keep one dress shirt with me just in case, but I no longer carry fancy shoes with me. I'll just wear my tennis shoes, especially if they're like darker jeans and a dress shirt. And yeah, you'll be underdressed for that wedding. But guess what? Nobody cares. Like really, like nobody cares. I think the reason why it matters so much and it's so expected to dress really nice at your friend's wedding is if you live you know, in the US, you live wherever that, that place is and you have a closet full of clothes and it's easy to. But if you have been traveling, you know, and you're living light, you're living minimal, you know, minimalistically, nobody really cares that much unless you're part of the, the wedding party, like you're, you know, maid of honor or like a bright, like a, like a groomsman or something. But then you could just rent something. So the only time I really felt underdressed was when I was at a wedding here in Ukraine last summer. And the only reason why I felt undressed was because all the guys were multimillionaires from New York and all the women were supermodels from Ukraine who now also live in New York or Florida. And they were in like really nice gowns. All the guys were in tuxedos. And I was in a just a plain white dress shirt. And I think I was wearing some black pants that, you know, that looked okay, but just it, I, I, like I just felt undressed. But Thinking back, it would have been so easy for me just to have rented a tuxedo for that day and I could have looked great and, you know, I could have fit in well and it would have been less than $100 to rent, especially out here. It probably would have been half of that, including renting shoes, including renting the actual tux and everything I needed. And then I wouldn't have had to carry around these different things for, for the entire time. So packing tip number one, I guess, <laughs> I'm not going to keep track of these numbers, but packing tip is do not pack formal gear unless you plan on using it at least a few times a month. Most likely, you're going to be in shorts and a t-shirt pretty much wherever you go, especially in Asia, especially in Europe in the summer. So pack things like that and pack things that if you think you're going to use it, but there's a chance that it won't be something that you want to carry around after that destination. For example, if you're traveling partially through the winter and you need a heavier coat and then you're going to be traveling in the summer, pack an old coat that you don't mind getting rid of. 
I mean, I don't know why no one ever thinks of this, but just pack a, a jacket that you don't really care about, get, you know, getting rid of, and then just get rid of it. Give it away to someone in need. You know, uh, there'll be plenty of people happy to take that jacket after you're done with it. So the next part I want to talk about is the actual luggage you should bring. So the two main types of luggage are going to be either a backpack or a rolling luggage, so like a suitcase. When I first came to Thailand, I used a suitcase. And mainly because I was planning on living there in Koh Tao, this little island, for one year. And I wanted to bring enough things to, you know, kind of keep me afloat for that year. And it was okay because I wasn't moving around very much. But it was definitely a pain in the butt to carry it from even the airport to the ferry, from the ferry onto the, you know, into the place I was staying. So my buddy Chris just came to join in on the podcast. <laughs> What's up? So Chris says hello. Uh, we are here in, in Ukraine, and I, maybe I'll ask him his pa- his packing tips in a second. So that big rolling luggage, it's a terrible idea in most cases. I would say the times it's a really bad idea is if you are going to be moving more than once every, I would say every two weeks for sure, but even once a week, I, I think it's a bad idea. And the reason why is unless you are going door to door in a car, in a taxi, and then having an elevator to your room, you do not want a rolling luggage. If you travel around the U.S. or wherever you are, it, that's always the case. You take an, you know, you take the an airplane or you drive somewhere, and you take a taxi, and it goes straight to your hotel, and your hotel has an elevator. Then a great big, you know, suitcase is fine. The problem with the rest of the world, in most places I've been, is that's hardly ever the case. So, for example, if you're in Thailand, you want to go to one of the islands, Koh Tao, for instance, or, or Raleigh Beach in, in, in Krabi, you will take a, a plane to the airport. That's fine. But then once you get to the actual taxi, you'll notice that inside the trunk, they have these natural gas kind of tanks in there to try to save some money on, on, on petrol, on normal gasoline. And your big suitcase doesn't fit in there. So, you, then you have to put the... Your big suitcase in the back seat, which means it's fine if you're alone, but if you're with more than you know one or two other people, you're gonna have to take extra cabs. So then you get to a you know a place where they drop you off to go to a bus station or something to take you to the ferry, and often you have to roll this luggage for one or two blocks from the ticketing place where you buy the bus ticket to the, where the bus actually picks you up. Now when you get off the bus. You have to roll your luggage again down a pier, sometimes, you know, rickety wooden pier to put it onto the boat. And to put it on the boat, you have a little ramp that you're walking across literally over the water while trying to balance this big luggage. Then you put it on the boat. You have to do the same thing when you, when you get off. Then you have to roll your luggage up a hill to the taxi or to your hotel, which might only be half a block away, but you might be rolling it through a crazy street. It might be raining. I had a friend who got to Kotel and it was it was raining and it and the the water was you know up to his ankles and he had a rolling luggage that was too heavy to carry. So these are the downsides of having traditional rolling luggage. The downsides and I guess so so the alternative is a backpack. And the best size backpack, depending on the size of your body and also how long you'll be traveling for, is at minimum sixty-five liters. And at maximum, 85 liters, I think, is the ideal range for most people. I think I had a 75 plus 10, so 
what, what does that mean? 75 liters is the main compartment and 10 for the, for the other compartment. So in total, 85 liters. And for my frame, my, my body size, I think it was great. But if I was any smaller than I am for, you know, I would say most people in the world, if you're a girl, I would say 75 liters maximum or 65 plus 10. And if it doesn't fit, don't bring it. So the benefits of a backpack, number one is the dimensions of it is, you know, because it's a soft shell and it's not a big square rolling luggage, you can fit it in much, you know, in different places. So you could fit it in the back of a taxi, even though there is that natural gas container in there. You can stack it easier. You can even have it half empty and and have it be a, a carry-on luggage because it's a soft and it and it bends. You can get away with carrying your backpack as as your only piece of gear. Now the downsides to it, well, so more here's more upsides actually is then when you're walking around, you know, from block to block, you carry it on your back. So regardless of if it's raining out or if you're walking on a pier that's you know rickety, if you're walking in puddles, whatever it is, it's on your back. So it's a lot easier. So there's a ton of upsides to backpacks. And that's why people who are backpackers or travel a lot carry a backpack because you literally, it's, it's just a million times easier to get around with. It's, it's easier to, to, to move. It's easier to go upstairs. And as an example, in Ukraine, there are pretty much no elevators in any of the places I've stayed. And even now we're on the fourth floor and to carry our luggage up four floors of stairs with no elevator is hard. So a backpack would have made it a million times easier because it would have just been literally on our backs. So it's it, there's those cases. And if you're staying in cheaper accommodations, if you're staying in hostels, there's almost always going to be no elevator and a rolling luggage is going to be a pain in the butt because you're you know, it's your luggage, so you're responsible for it. And I think that's a, that's a good thing to point out is if, you, if you're going to pack it, you have to carry it. I had a slight argument with my sister about a month or, or two ago when we were in Bali. And we were, you know, moving hotels. And she had four giant rolling luggages. And she asked me if I can bring one of them to the next hotel because it wouldn't fit in their cab easily because... It just, they have, it was her, her husband, two kids, and then these four giant rolling luggages. And I said to her, I said, I will do it, but realize this shouldn't be the case in the first place. You, you have too much stuff. And she got so angry at me because she wanted me just to say, I oh, yeah, no problem. You're my sister. I'll definitely do it for you. And it wasn't that I was being, trying to be an ass because I'd said I'll do it. But I wanted her to know that she is overpacked and it's causing headache for, for more people. You know, it's a lot of it. The headache is rests on her husband because he's the one that has to carry it most of the time. But it's also more stressful for her and for everybody involved. It's more stressful for, you know, the taxi driver. It's more stressful to the actual plane itself. It's carrying extra weight for no reason. It's more stressful to people, you know, that need to help her. And I guarantee you, like, there's no reason why two adults and two kids need four giant rolling luggages for a two-week vacation. You know, it's it really should be two luggages, you know, in total, where she can, you know, put some of her daughter stuff in her luggage, and the husband could put some of the the son stuff in, in his. And at most, at most, would be a third luggage for just the kid stuff. But there's no reason why it should have been four. And 
I'm a big believer in having less stuff because it makes your vacation so much easier and so much better. You'll actually enjoy it more by having less stuff. So if they had backpacks, I think... I don't know if it would make their life that much easier because here's the, here's the downsides of backpacks. One is if you just have that backpack, your life is very easy. You just walk around the backpack. However, most people don't just have one backpack. They have a day pack, which then you would have to put in front of you, which makes it a little bit awkward because you're walking with something in front of you and behind you, which isn't a big deal, but it just, you know, just if, just try walking around with a backpack in front of you the whole day. It's not the easiest. And what makes it almost impossible is if you have a big backpack and another piece of luggage or another something else. With roller luggages, I guess you can kind of stack, you know, one on top of each other so you can kind of carry it that way. But the main downside to a backpack, and it sounds silly because I shouldn't care about these things, but it's the it's kind of the looks that you get when you walk into a hotel or a nice place with a backpack. Because, you know, it is stereotyped as someone who is kind of grungy and a little bit, I don't want to say dirty, but like a dirty hippie, but it is, you know, it is more of a hostel type thing versus like a nicer hotel. So because we are staying mostly at Airbnbs and like, you know, decent hotels nowadays in Europe and we're not actually backpacking around, it was a bit strange to just, you know, still have a, a backpack itself. So what has been my solution is I found something uh, that's kind of halfway in between. It's uh, a rolling duffel. And I think in retrospect, I would have bought a rolling duffel that had backpack straps that you can actually uh, take out when you needed. So that way, if I'm walking across something weird or if I'm going upstairs, I can wear it as a backpack. And when I'm walking into a hotel or if I'm just living kind of normal life, then I can have it be a rolling duffel. And I think the best size for that would be the same. It'd be 65 to kind of 75 liters. What I actually have now is I have a black North Face rolling duffel. It's it's called the 30-inch Rolling Thunder, I believe. And the reason why I like it is it looks kind of like a normal... It looks like a like a rolling duffel bag. So... It's comfortable kind of just being like an, an adult, <laughs> not like a backpacker. But at the same time, it gives me a lot of the benefits of having a backpack. One being it's soft, so it doesn't take up as much space. It fits in more places. I personally like it because it's, it's somewhat waterproof. It's water resistant. Uh, it's rugged. The The wheels roll very wrong, like really well, so I can roll it over crazy, you know, bad streets. And because... I'm strong enough, I can also carry it kind of on my head or on my back. So my advice is if you were going to do this, make sure you can, you know, overhead press 50 kilos or something or 30 kilos, whatever your bag's going to weigh, probably 20 to 30 kilos. If you, if you can overhead press it comfortably at, at the gym, then you should be able to, to carry it on your head or your back here. So this is something that I do not have a definite answer on yet because to be honest, I kind of go back and forth where some days I wish I had a backpack. And when I was in Ireland, I had a backpack. I I bought a, I think a 40 liter backpack and that's all I had for two weeks. And I loved it. It was so convenient. I loved being on the plane with it because I could just carry it on. I loved, you know, walking with it on my back and go to different guest houses. I loved going up and down, up and down stairs with it. It just made it so much easier. But then when I got back to Barcelona and I had like a normal life again, I decided to give that away. 
and it was only a 30, 30, 30 euro backpack that I bought at a place called Decathlon, which is an amazing sports store that has super cheap, good quality sports equipment, mostly made by a brand called Creature. And I didn't feel bad giving these things away because it was less than $50 a piece. So I went back to my North Face duffel and I felt like an adult again. And I felt like, you know, a little bit nicer again. But this is something I, I honestly struggle with where I don't know what the, the best solution is. I would say logically the best solution is just to have a backpack and not care about what other people think because at the end of the day, this is your life and, and your adventure. So that's kind of where I'm going to settle for now. But that can change. Who knows? So as far, far as what to carry, the best thing, best piece of investment that I, I've bought recently are, they're called packing cubes. These are mesh zipped containers, I guess, soft containers where you can put different things in. So I bought a five pack, I believe, that has one for my shirts, one for my shorts and jeans, one for my underwear and socks. And then one for other kind of random things. And then I think I have a, a, a compression sack that's actually made for sleeping bags that I put my jackets and kind of sweater, sweatshirts and stuff in. And the reason why I like this so much is not only does it make it easier to pack, but when you get places, you don't have to unpack everything. You can kind of just take out exactly what you need and everything's sorted. And I'm very, very, very happy with it. Uh, I bought ones made by Amazon Basic and they work great and they're pretty cheap. Here's kind of a side rant about Amazon and the reason why even though we buy everything from them and I love using them because it's convenient and easy, this this is one of the downsides to Amazon as a company that people don't think about and they're unaware of. They screw over sellers. The actual company that you know that popularized these packing cubes are you know, pretty much out of business now. Companies like eBags, which, you know, were selling a lot of them, Amazon kind of pushed out of you know, kind of out of business because Amazon, they take a look to see what sells and then they go and make their own. And it's great for consumers because we get cheap stuff, but it's actually really bad for sellers. It's kind of really unfair for them, which is why Amazon is kind of a, a huge bully and kind of a an asshole company that we are kind of supporting and growing. Kind of like how Walmart treats their employees really bad. Well, Amazon treats both their employees really bad as well as the sellers on there really bad. So just be aware that by us saving a couple bucks and shopping, you know, with convenience through Amazon, we are su- supporting a behemoth that I think we're going to regret a few years from now, to be honest. Right now, we love it. It's convenient. It's cheap. But I think what's going to happen is we're going to give them a monopoly, which I think they kind of have already. And I think they are going to end up biting us in the hand later on by overcharging us, giving us support, you know, quality things and, and elsewhere. And that's, that's the main reason why I try not to sell anything on Amazon. And that's why I haven't been heavy into like Amazon FBA or anything like that. So aside from the packing cubes, my favorite things that I've brought with me, I would say would be my ex officio underwear. I first heard Tim Ferriss talk about this, but they're basically antimicrobial quick dry underwear that you can wash and, and it'll it'll dry you know overnight really quickly. You can also wear them multiple days in a row without them smelling. And they're just really comfortable. They're a little bit more expensive, but they are the best underwear I, I've, I've, I've seen or bought. And I've been wearing them exclusively now for almost eight years. And I don't plan on, on wearing anything else uh, probably ever. So I get the black boxers. And the other thing I like about those is... 
in a pinch, you can go swimming in them and nobody notices, especially if it's at night. So there's been many, many pool parties or we're by a lake or by ocean and I want to swim, but I don't have a, a swimsuit and I just take off my pants. And especially at night, nobody notices that they're not short just because they're black, you know, kind of boxers and they dry quickly. So then the next day they're fine. Aside from that, my favorite things that, that I, I, I bring with me is probably my MacBook Air, to be honest. Uh, it's lightweight and... If I had a 15-inch or a traditional kind of Windows, heavier Windows computer, I would probably hate it. And it doesn't seem like it would be that big of a difference. And you would think that you know you want the extra size, but it's not not worth it. Like my my, my friend Chris, for example, complains about his 15-inch MacBook Pro all the time and the weight of it. And I'm so happy that I have my 13-inch Air because it it makes a world of difference. And a travel hack would be. If you need more screen space while you're working, rent a monitor wherever you are. And if you're going to be somewhere for three to six months and you're really working on a project and really need a bigger monitor and the co-working space doesn't offer one, just buy a cheap monitor. You can get one from between $1 and $200 and think of it as an investment for you know getting that amount of work done for the next couple of months. And you can always sell it or give it away afterwards. As far as watching movies, instead of trying to watch movies on a 13-inch MacBook, which is fine on a plane or on a train or something like that, when I'm staying in an Airbnb or if I'm staying in a hotel, the best thing I've ever done, kind of the best $10 piece of equipment I bought, is an HDMI cable that connects to the TV. So mine goes from, I think, Apple Thunderbolt or Lightning port to HDMI, and it allows me to watch movies on the actual big screen TV. And this makes a huge difference. It allows you to watch Netflix as well. It allows you to watch YouTube videos or whatever you've downloaded. And it just makes it feel more like you're at home and you kind of forget that you're traveling and you just feel kind of comfortable again being able to watch a movie on an actual big TV. So highly recommend everybody bring one of those. So one reason why my, my luggage used to be so heavy and so big, I used to carry you know two bags around all the time, is because I would have to carry either scuba gear with me or Muay Thai gear with me and sometimes both. And I think this was kind of the bane of my existence for a long time because scuba gear is really heavy. You have your big BCD, which is the buoyancy control device, the big jacket that you wear. You have your regulators, which are made out of metal and, and you know kind of heavy rubber. You have your mask. You have your fins. You have a wetsuit. You have a bunch of stuff that basically weighs 25 kilos or 50 pounds by itself. Luckily, you don't have to carry a tank with you. You, you always just rent it wherever you are. But everything else kind of added up, and that was an entire suitcase by itself, uh, which in a sense was good because it forced me to travel and pack light for everything else, making me kind of a forced minimalist just because I couldn't go over the weight allowance and I just couldn't physically carry everything. And the same with my Muay Thai gear where I had gloves, I had a couple pairs of shorts, I had my shin guards. Most of the time I actually had two pairs of gloves. I had a pair of 16-ounce gloves for sparring, which is good when you're especially if you're a bigger person and it's it's safer and it's fairer to your your training partner because you're less likely to break their nose or hurt them if you're wearing 16 ounce gloves and also it's good because it forces you to have heavier bigger gloves which trains your shoulders trains your you know just makes it so you get less tired when punching but then i would also have a pair of 12 ounce bag gloves which is good for hitting the pads or hitting the bags and you know working on the speed and the accuracy. So I would carry both of those gloves. I had full shin guards because it was Muay Thai and we were kicking. I had, you know, just 
a, basically another bag full of these things. And it was really difficult because I would literally have to carry a full set of scuba gear and a full set of, set of Muay Thai gear wherever I would travel to. And I think it's looking back, I regret, I regret some of it where instead of bouncing around between the two sports, I wish I would have just stayed either with one or left my stuff, you know, at the, at the Muay Thai gym and not traveled with it. The only reason why you need scuba gear is if you are actually working as a professional and you're working as a dive master and instructor, the shop requires you to have your own gear, which I understand because they don't want you ruining the rental gear. And it's also just easier when you own, own your own. But I would highly recommend that if you are not a professional, as in you're not doing it as a job full-time and you're just doing it for fun, do not buy any of your own gear. The only thing, the only exception is a mask because a mask is one of those things that can really, you know, ruin your your dive experience if it leaks or doesn't doesn't fit well, or if you need a prescription lens mask and it's light enough, it's small enough where you you can carry that with you, but don't carry your own know, fins ever. <laughs> fins are always something you can rent. Don't carry your own BCD because they're almost all all the same. And I wouldn't even and don't carry your own regs. You know, I, I think it's. As long as you go to a shop that has well-maintained material equipment, it does not matter where you, you know, what the regs are. They're just regs. I mean, all the fancy ones that people bring, which is the kind of the breathing apparatus, allows you to breathe, breathe in like zero degree water or something. But when you're in Thailand, you don't need that. You just need the most basic shop gear and it works fine. The only thing that really matters is your mask because you can, you know, you can see better without water leaking. Uh, and maybe a wetsuit if you want your own. What I do instead is I bring a two, two or three millimeter rash guard, which is just the wetsuit top because I don't like putting on a full wetsuit. It's enough to, to go with board shorts. But even then, because I am not planning on scuba diving while in Europe for at least the next you know three months, I, I won't be back in Thailand. I actually gave away my really nice hyper hyperflex rash guard, which is a $50 item that I bought that I love because for me to carry that around for three months is not worth it. So this is, you know, kind of reasons why I try not to buy things that I'm not going to be using anytime soon. And guess what? Every time I move my luggage, I'm so grateful that I don't have it on me. So remember, don't bring anything that you wouldn't be okay with, with getting rid of. So as far as the ideal um, amount of things to bring with you or the ideal weight, I would say unless you're just traveling for a few weeks and then you're going back home, I would not recommend anyone travel with just carry-on luggage. I, I understand you know, it, it is a nice feeling to be able to do it, but if you're actually going to be living somewhere for three months or longer, maybe even two months or longer, it's not that big of a deal to check in a bag. If anything, you don't have to carry it around the airport with you, especially if you have connecting flights. And you can just have a few more kind of comforts that you wouldn't have if you just had your your carry-on. So my rules kind of for myself and what I would advise other people is bring one pair of very good walking sandals, whether they're like, you know, the chalky Chacos or whatever you like. My personal favorites are the Lunas, the Luna Monos with the elastic back, uh, which are actually kind of barefoot minimalism uh, running sandals. But they are fantastic for just walking around. They're fantastic for even hiking. And they are way better for your feet than 
traditional flip-flops or thongs, which if you look at them, you can, you, you're always flexing your toes to, to have them on. And that's, it's actually not good for your feet. So the Lunas are pretty expensive, but in my opinion, they are definitely worth it. They're, they're probably my favorite piece of gear that I carry with me. And you can even run it, run in them. That's actually what they're for. So those I highly recommend. And I would carry one pair of just sneakers with you. So whatever brand you're comfortable with. Currently, I wear Adidas because they make wider kind of shoes naturally. I had a pair of New Balance, minim- like minimalist kind of flat bottom shoes, which I loved. But unfortunately, I can't get them out here. And the only shoes I cannot wear are Nikes because they're too narrow. So make sure you, you bring a pair of shoes that do not hurt your feet, even if you walk in them for you know, five, six hours, because often you will be. If you're going on a walking tour in a new city, if you're just, you know, exploring around, you're going to want another pair of shoes. And that's it. I, I, I try not to have more than a, one pair of shoes and a pair of sandals. I think that's really all anyone needs. I don't recommend par- carrying nice, fancy dress shoes because it's, it just really does not matter that much. And if you really feel like you need it, buy a pair when you're in that, co- you know, that country for the three months or something and get rid of it afterwards. As far as clothes is concerned, I think in most places, it's actually a good idea to just bring nothing and just show up and, and buy new clothes. I think the only shirts that, you know, or shorts that I really, really like from back home that it's actually maybe cheaper back home or things like quick dry North Face t-shirts. So things like that I'll bring with me. But in general, if you can find a Uniqlo, if you can find some kind of cheaper you know, place where you can buy new shirts for between five and ten dollars. Just buy a bunch of buy everything you need when you're in that climate, and then after the two or three months that you're traveling, just get rid of it, or or just buy things as you need it. I I really think that in most countries, especially places that we end up traveling to a lot, like Thailand or anywhere in Europe, there's always going to be a shop where you can just buy everything for probably less than a hundred dollars. You know, like an, pretty much like an entire wardrobe for a hundred dollars, and then you can get rid of it afterwards if you want. I think it actually be a really, really cool adventure to show up at a place with a couple hundred bucks, maybe two hundred dollars, with nothing. Like it's just maybe just a day day backpack, your laptop, and a light like a light jumper or something for your for the flight, and just show up with nothing and buy everything once you get there. I actually think you end up spending less money overall because you, you're less over prepare. And you'll also buy things that actually fit that climate and uh, what you actually need, especially if you're going somewhere with something like a decathlon. It literally is my my favorite store now because they make really cool sports gear for super cheap. And I'm willing to bet that you can walk in there with a hundred dollars. You can buy a backpack. You can buy you know three or four or five shirts. You can buy a pair of shorts. You can even buy a pair of hiking boots and you're, you're pretty much set to go on whatever adventure you want with, you know, a hundred, maybe a hundred euros or something. So if anyone wants to take that challenge, I think the, my Ireland walk definitely could have been done with that. Cause that's basically what I did. I bought all the stuff in, in Barcelona. I went there. I think you can do a lot of cool adventures. Uh, I'm going to keep this episode a bit short and end it here, but. If you guys like these travel tips, let me know. Let me know in the comment section. Let me know on Facebook or kind of wherever you listen and hang out because it's these are things that kind of took me probably 8 to 10 years to figure out on my own and I'd love to share with everyone. I know everyone's travels are slightly different, but if 
I was able to help you guys out in any way, uh, let me know. And let me know what else you want me to, to talk about or that you want to hear about. So big thank you to everyone, especially everyone who's taken the time to leave reviews on iTunes. You guys are the reason why this podcast continues to grow, more people find it. This week, I want to thank and acknowledge Hobby Passion from the US. He says, a program that helps create the path of freedom, five stars, break away from the agenda of the elite, stop being another clog in the machine. In other words, wake up. This podcast will introduce you to the people who have taken control of their lives. People who've decided to take action and go after what they want and need. After all, you only live once. After years of being programmed to fit into the system of enslavement, it's time to unschool and reprogram yourself to a life of happiness, meaning, and purpose. Listen to the guests and you'll find out that, yes, it is possible to live life on your terms. Wow. Thank you so much, Tommy Passion, for that awesome review. And I'm really, really happy to be able to share not only my own story and journey with, with all of you, but also the people that I meet along the way who've done the same. And remember, they've done it in so many different ways. In, in the past 170 episodes, you know, we probably had a hundred different business formats. So just because my path worked for me doesn't mean that's going to be your exact path. So listen back, find what works for you, what kind of inspires you, what clicks with you, and go for it. You know, find and build your location-dependent business. Start traveling. Start enjoying the world. Use some of these tips along the way. If you guys need to book a flight, uh, you can check out our sponsor, TripStreak. Go to tripstreak.com/travellikeaboss, and you can book flights. You know, anywhere in the world. Here to Eastern Europe, to Thailand, to anywhere else that we've talked about. And what's really cool is you can search by preference. So I know some of you like red eye flights where you can sleep at night. Some some of you hate it because you want to, you know, fly during the day and see the view. And I think this is the world's first, you know, travel search that really, you know, customizes and allows you to choose exactly the way that you want to fly. Because remember, this is our lives. We can live it the way we want and we don't need to be enslaved as Hobby Passion said. So thanks, Scott. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please let me know on social media at Johnny FDK everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, or leave a comment on this episode, share it with your friends, share it in travel groups, wherever you hang out, and I will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week, and remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.